say but It means you want the beer that's got a taste that's number one When you say but You tell the world you know what makes it all the way When you say but You say you care enough to only want the king of beers There is no other one There's only something less Because the king of beers Is leading all the rest When you say bye bye sir You've said it all How much did you get done today? Do you feel guilty because instead of doing that big project, you're surfing awe on Reddit and looking at pictures of kittens rolling around and balls of yarn? Or maybe instead of writing that 500-word blog post that's due, you're busy churning out 2,000 words on Facebook on why your favorite political candidate is, well, you know, not the evil spawn of Satan. Maybe you listen to 55 minutes of two guys named Robert and Joe talk about content when you should really be on that conference call. Well, feel guilty no more, my friend, because science has actually shown that most focused and productive people, they work for 52 consecutive minutes and then immediately abandon their desks for exactly 1,020 seconds. That's 17 minutes for you playing at home. So you can consider PNR work, a focused attention getter, right? After PNR, you should probably watch puppies chase a balloon for 17 minutes and have a coffee. But here's something else. There are also deep-seated reasons you don't start that giant project that seems so overwhelming. That book, that campaign, that rebranding project, that white paper, that uh, email to your boss telling her that you want more budget? Well, apparently our brains are wired to simulate productive work as a means of avoiding big projects or things we feel are overwhelming. Got that big white paper to write? Perfect time to go on the internet and research what the real skinny is on the Oxford comma. In our heads, we envision the absolute worst of the projects ahead of us. Sure, we break them down, but we focus on breaking down the horrible, unpleasant, and worst parts of the project, and then convince ourselves that there are other things we should do. Instead, when breaking down that project, let's focus on all the interesting things. Let's get started. Let's practice. So the research finds that practice does indeed make perfect, and focusing on the actual work, small bits, focused bits, at a time will ultimately lead to feeling better about our ability to get the bigger project done. As Bruce Lee once said, I don't fear the opponent that has practiced 10,000 kicks once, I fear the opponent who has practiced one kick 10,000 times. So what's the best way to start a big project? Well, it's simply to get started. And yeah, then take a break for 20 minutes and watch cat videos, because, you know, science. And that's the theme of our show today. Productivity, work, and the art of working smarter. As Colin Powell once said, if you're going to use a private email server, don't get caught. But about success, he said, there are no secrets. It's just preparation, starting, working, and learning from failure. And with that, let's get our 55 minutes of chatter going. You ready to focus and get productive? Then let's roll. And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR, with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, content marketers. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 151 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded Monday, October 3rd, 2016. And with me, as always, is my friend, my colleague, and the most productive man in content marketing, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? Welcome well, home. Yes, welcome home <laughs> to you as well. And we probably should mention that for the, yeah. for the first time maybe ever, when we actually met up in person, traveling different routes around the world. Yes, exactly. Was, well, we've met in person before. You and I actually have met. So for anybody <laughs> out there who thinks we've never met before, we've met. We just we just very rarely actually get to meet while we are traveling around, the, especially in conference season. We we've, we've very rarely find ourselves in the same city, and we did and, in London. And I was, yeah, so I was at uh, the Technology for Marketers event in London, at Olympia London, and, and you were there speaking for... 
our friends at Acrolinks and King. I was Content there. And, yeah, I was. I was. Yeah, it was. It was an event exactly put on by Acrolinks and King Content, a sort of meet and greet at this really cool. I mean, you fly all the way to London and go to a tiki bar. Um, so there's that. So there's you, me, and Doug Kessler, and the, all the gang from Acrolinks and King Content hanging out in a tiki bar in the in the you know in the upper parts of London proper. And it was splendid. I mean, I, I have to say that when I walked in and there was a big arrow and they, they said, it says the Robert Rose event this way. And I'm like, oh, this is like a thing. I'm, no, it did it not did, say no, that. It did it not did say too. that. There was, it was taped to the wall, the Robert Rose <laughs> event this way. And I'm like, I wonder if it's the Robert Rose. That I, I didn't see well, I didn't that. I didn't know if it was the Robert Rose that I knew or was some other, well, other Robert Rose in the Tiki Bar. But apparently it was you. All right, so just so we're clear, though, however, just so we're clear, there were pictures posted of the event that you were at prior to the London event, which was uh, in Prague, and you had giant, you know, Game of Thrones-like banners outside the event oh, hall where that said, Joe Polizzi is here, above, b- above all the flags, and uh, yeah, I-, I didn't get quite that. I got a, I got a Xerox Comic Sans font that says the Robert Rose event is down in the basement. <laughs> yes, my, my event was in Helsinki, and it was... Uh, it was, it was funny because... Oh, Helsinki. Yeah. I'm sorry. Not Prague. But I think yes. I told you this, but it was funny. I mean, I, it was close to the hotel, but I was looking for the event. I was walking around in the morning, just had my coffee, and I'm, I've got uh, maps, Apple Maps up, and I'm looking for it because I didn't know the address. It was a name that I couldn't pronounce, and I'm, I'm looking all over the place, and then I looked right. across the street, maybe... I don't know, had to be two, three hundred yards away. And these huge banners are up with my name on it. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's it. I think that that's <laughs> it was beautiful. They did a great job. Uh, uh, Yarmo, my good friend, invited me over. Uh, for the, the Kubo, the agency, they did a whole uh, whole little thing around content marketing. And it was uh, it was fun. Super nice people in Finland. Always, always like going there. And uh, but it is I, I've not been and I really, really want to go. You need to go. You absolutely need to go. And you need to go this time of year. Don't go. I, I mean, this is my fourth time in Helsinki. And this was the first time that I went uh, that it wasn't free, like below freezing. So it's much better when the, the perfect weather, the leaves were turning. Absolutely fantastic. So, But it is good to be home. And, uh, and I got to, to come home and watch the Browns lose, which was even better. <laughs> but the Indians, the Indians have made it to the playoffs. So, so we'll, we'll take that. Yeah, there, there you go. go. Oh, there hey, before go. we... And, of course, my Cowboys won, yeah, your so... Your Cowboys uh, won, blah, blah, blah. We don't want to talk about that, but it's... I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy for you. Hey, uh, before we get started, we need to mention... Thank you. Uh, Content Marketing University. So, just so everyone knows... Yes, yes absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, Content Marketing University, our fall semester closes end of day Tuesday. That's October 4th, 10 Good buddy. So it closes at the end of the day. We left it open specifically so we could make sure that all of our PNR, the Soul Marketing listeners, could get access to it. So if you want to enroll in the fall semester, you literally, if you listen to this, you probably have about 24 hours to make this happen. It closes end of day Tuesday. Use coupon code PNR100 to save you an additional $100. We'd love to get you involved. Obviously, I'm in it a little bit, but Robert's in it a lot. Which is generally kind of how it works. Just don't let that dissuade you, folks. It's fantastic. We're getting rave reviews about it. Uh, the curriculum is fantastic, and if you get a chance to sign up for fall semester, and then it closes, then then you won't have two months will go by. You won't have a chance to to get involved until our winter semester. Yeah, till the end of the year. That's right. There won't be another chance until uh, February or March. No, no, no. no. They'll have another chance in December. They will have one more chance in December. This is the fall. Oh, that's right. Enrollment. That's right. That's the fall. That's the fall. There's the winter. I forget. Yes, it's fall, winter, spring. It's generally how how it works. Uh, thank you very but, much. <laughs> well, you don't see any of that in Los Angeles, so thank I can understand how you would forget. No, that's right. That's my excuse. You don't have a change of seasons. In Ohio, on the other hand, it's quite prominent. You should check it out sometime. Yeah. I should. I should be there. <laughs> All right. Do you want to get started? All right. Shall we to the news? Yes, let's do it. All right, fantastic. So our first, uh, our first story. This is a really cool and interesting uh, top of the show story here that came in, 
And it's just something that, you know, it's, it's not, well, you'll, you'll see. It's, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's more an interesting sort of, you know, data point along our journey here of content marketing more than anything else. Huge hat tip, by the way, and I'm going to completely screw this name up. Uh, Auntie Ironin, uh, at A-E-V-A-R-R on Twitter. Thank you very much for the heads up on this story. Uh, it comes courtesy of TechCrunch.com, and the headline here is Singapore-based music startup buys 49% stake in Rolling Stone. And this is a really interesting thing. When we start looking, you know, you've heard us talk all kinds of things about acquisitions and media brands and content brands and those sorts of things. And the article opens up here by saying, the company behind iconic music magazine Rolling Stone has sold a 49% share in the business to a startup from Singapore in a bid to grow its international reach. And normally the acquisition of Rolling Stone wouldn't make it on this show. But interestingly enough, as the article says, U.S.-based Wenner Media announced the sale of its stake to Singapore's Band Lab this week, although the price paid was not disclosed. Band Lab is run by Mengru Kwok, uh, a 28-year-old son of palm oil billionaire Kwok Kun Hong. And this isn't his first piece of notable M&A. In 2012, the company acquired Sui Lee, a distributor of guitars and other instruments, and last week it picked up San Francisco-based instrument design lab Mono. It offers a free app that lets artists create and share music. Here's the quote that sort of is really interesting. Band Lab said it's going to focus on expanding Rolling Stone's business in new markets propelling the band's global evolution. And it goes on to talk about how it will expand product and digital content as a means of underlying products and software and all that kind of stuff. And This was just fascinating to me, Joe, because it was just this, here's this idea of a product company coming in and really using the Rolling Stone brand as a content brand to drive um, product sales. And this is, I mean, this is what we've been talking about, right? This is, first of all, I really think that you and I should look at the palm oil industry because apparently it's, it's quite a thing in Singapore. I didn't know if that was a thing that you and I could uh, could start working on as a startup, but the outside of that, <laughs> outside of that, it, it absolutely says it, you know, de- and they want to develop live events, merchandising, and hospitality to extend its brand beyond editorial. I just love the focus of it, and I, what what's amazing to me, I actually had some conversations about this uh, with some some companies, uh, marketers at some companies in in London when I was at the Technology for Marketers event. It's still a very tough grasp for marketers to think of of the buy versus build scenario because as you know I in most of my presentations I do this whole thing about buy versus build and I say well absolutely you can build and you can focus on your differentiation and you could focus on building a subscribed audience and you could do all these things but it takes time you need to be patient it takes 12 to 18 months sometimes more to do this so that you can actually monetize but if you're impatient and you do have some money, uh, there's an opportunity to go ahead and buy. And, and my whole take is if you are if you're a media, if you grew up in the media business, this is a no brainer. You absolutely know this makes sense to you that you would say, oh, well, instead of launching a new media brand, but let's go see what's available, make a list and check off and see if we should partner with some people or actually buy a, a media brand. And most of these marketers aren't looking at this opportunity. So I love this as yet another, uh, as you say, you know, proof point to the idea of more and more companies are coming in. They're going to make this thing happen. And, and this is just another one along the way of in my, in my other uh, prediction is that 2017 is the year that we see so many of these, uh, these media uh, brand deals come forward. And, and this is one I don't think we were expecting, but kudos on them. Fantastic. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, to me, you know, you see, you know, you see a, you know, this is an iconic brand, Rolling Stone, and here is a, really a new company, a, you know, a 21st century company that sells products. Now they've, now, now they sell instruments and guitars and software and apps and, you know, they could have productize that in a number of ways and now what they're going to be able to do is leverage this content brand of rolling stone to be able to do exactly that and to me this is is this is a 
this is a, you know this is this is something that's really interesting when we start looking at you know how content marketing is going to start to expand in in, in product companies, but even you know to the point that you always make, which is how can media companies start to diversify themselves in a way? Because you know one way of looking at this is as a product company looking to bolster its brand and image, uh, getting there quickly by buying an iconic content brand. The other way to look at this is this is Rolling Stone looking at diversifying their brand and diversifying their business by becoming part of a product company and looking at alternative forms of revenue to be able to, you know, monetize their content. And so to me, it's a perfect match. And it's just a really interesting new experiment in this in this world that we live in. Well, I think you you say this all the time about really looking at what business you are in, right? And you do that you've done this for a long time as, you know, are you in the Railroad business, so you're the transportation business, right? And they have this great quote here that basically from, uh, I think, the, the buyer, the, the, uh, the CEO of the buyer says, we are focused on the consumer and the supply chain of music and innovative business models around music that exists today. At the end of the day, the end consumer is the same. Band Lab's goal is to be a global music business. Yeah, I just, I mean, I absolutely adore that as an example here. And, and um, you know, I think we're going to start, I mean, look, you made this prediction that we're going to start to see a lot of this in the coming. And I just think this is the, you know, as, as we get into 2017, this is going to be, this is going to become a huge, a huge trend. Well, it better, um, it I better just, be because I've been telling everybody <laughs> to do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. Right. I mean, I'm trying to, yeah. I mean, I'm really working on this prediction and uh, I don't know what else to do. So hopefully it'll happen. All right. So let's move on to our next story here, All which right. uh, comes courtesy of some outfit that I've never heard of called the Content Marketing Institute. Um, that uh, oh, a new that, uh, that must be a new uh, new company. It's That's... some new thing. Yeah, I think uh, if we could get some presence on Madison Avenue, I think that would probably be a, a good thing. Yeah, let's um, look into that. The, so go ahead. Yeah, we need to look into that. So the the article here um, is you know we have to cover this of course because this is you know this is relatively large news here. Our newest research is now officially published. Dun, 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 big dramatic music here, and as the blog post that is authored by you the fabulous godfather um, says content marketing takes a turn for the better the new 2017 research has been released as it opens up and says if you were able to join us at content marketing world or have been following some of the coverage you know that the tides are turning and while last year at this time we were facing the trough of disillusionment the energy and momentum we are seeing right now are far more positive in fact our newest research b2b content marketing in 2017 benchmarks budgets and trends north america backs this up so uh so what say you about all this research are are we truly as bullish as things would seem well first of all i have a problem with the author of this article <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this guy is well i do idiot. too but i wasn't gonna throw him out uh, the yeah bus i don't know uh it's a little suspect here no um I do absolutely feel, and you and I talked about this at Content Marketing World, it, we've, we've turned a little bit of a corner. Uh, I think the, the tone during Content Marketing World 2015 was that we're really struggling out there. We're not seeing the amount of effectiveness we'd like to see. We're really getting difficult or having a difficult time getting buy-in. And I was super curious about what this new research would tell us. And what the research tells us is as of if we look 12 months ago from that point that 62% of B2B marketers in North America say that compared to then, uh, their organization's approach to content marketing is more successful. That's We're not making it up. That's what the marketers are saying. And um, I mean, we can sort of kibitz about why that is, but it's we've de I definitely heard this firsthand from the marketers that we had in, in person at Content Marketing World. So that I, that I like. Now, the, if you go into the research... Uh, you basically say, why is that? So what the research tells us, the number one and number two, number one reason is they're getting better at content creation, higher quality, more efficient in the production. And the second one is they're actually developing strategies of some kind, which <laughs> shouldn't have to be said, but we've been pounding <laughs> that drum, banging that drum for how long? And I think finally we're starting to see a more strategic look instead of just let's just create a lot of content, spread it all out there and see what happens. I mean, and you work with these companies firsthand. Are you seeing this? Is this, is this real? Uh, in well, your opinion? 
Yeah, so it, there is, and it's a really interesting thing because, and so this is a piece that I literally just finished and has, you know, that's like literally the ink is still digitally wet, as it were, um, and have sent off to uh, our amazingly talented editors to actually turn my word soup into something uh, legible. But I actually make a comment about this, and, and, and the comment, you know, just to tease it up a little bit that I talk about, um, which is also going to introduce sort of our revised new framework for content marketing and the work that we do with as many brands as we do, I think what, you, what, what we've seen and the sort of improvements that we've seen are absolutely real because this is one of those things that I see all the time when I go in and talk to these companies that... The business case has been made and there are strategies being put forward and the content creation process has gotten better. Now, the challenge that I think the, uh, you know, what, what is not immediately evident in the research, but I can kind of see between the lines here is that there is a sort of gap coming for most of these people who have seen the improvements. And what I mean by that is that what my observation is, is that the strategy has definitely improved. The function now actually exists, but there's a ceiling that is quickly reached, which is this capacity for creation of content. In other words, the early adopters have gone in, started creating content, and it works. And the organization goes, holy smokes, this is great. We need to create more and more of it. And all of a sudden, everybody goes, wait a minute, how are we going to create more? How are we going to scale this thing? And so the work that I'm doing of late has really been scalability and sort of, you know, quite frankly, the inability for the small content groups. And our research this year bears this out, that it's mostly small teams, which I'll contend is underinvested in, in most organizations basically failing to be able to keep up with this capacity needed by the rest of the organization. And so, yes, over the last year or two years, businesses have invested in content marketing. They've invested in smart people who have created strategies to the best they can, and they have started to create some level of success. But it quickly reaches a ceiling because our ability to scale it across the demand that is there for the kind of content that is being demanded just isn't there. And so, you know, the rest of the research that I'm seeing sort of begins to begin to back this up a little bit, which is some of the biggest challenges are how do we keep up with the demand? How do we actually keep up with creating something that actually investing in value over time? And many of the things that we talk about on this show all the time, but the the biggest challenges I'm seeing right now, which is hand in hand with the sort of success that's gone along is great. You've succeeded a little bit. Now, the business case that's made has almost been too good. Now, the C-suite is saying more, please. Let's have more and more and more. And it's really tough to maintain that quality while the demand is so high. Well, I, I agree with you. and But I think that if we even look at one of the other stats, which, which we talked about a little bit a couple episodes ago, about the, the level of commitment and... I think that you're not you're you're seeing brands commit to it, but I don't know how to say this on more of an experimental level. They're fine to keep baby in a corner. Oh, over here, that's the content group that you keep doing that. But 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 do we yeah. really want it to want to change the culture of how we view marketing, sales, and customer service? No, not really. We don't want it. Really want it. So right. I think that. So what we saw is there's a very small number. Uh, about about twenty percent. If you look at whether it's North America, Australia, or the UK, twenty percent are all in, fully committed to content marketing. Those are by far the what we call the top performers, and the and the blog post goes through this. That's still a relatively small number. That's where we're seeing a lot of the improvement because you're starting to see change actually happen. On I think to your point. How do we make this more scalable? How do we get sales involved? How do we truly integrate it? How do we choose the right technology when it comes to our content creation and distribution? Are we truly creating a differentiated story? Or are we just adding to the clutter? So that's the one key. And I love – that's my favorite stat, and you know this, because I've been talking about it like crazy, this uh, this commitment level. Because yeah. you know, we go through it. I'm looking at this. You and I talked about this. We're like, okay, 20% say that they're committed. And basically, eighty percent are somewhat committed. They're partially committed, and like, 
Can you be a little bit <laughs> right. pregnant? You know, can you, is this, is this a thing? Can right. you actually, and, and that's, I think still for the most part, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing these success stories. I haven't heard you though, talk about the ceiling as much. So you got a post coming out about this pretty soon. I do actually. Yeah. Because it's the thing that I'm seeing the most of right now, which is, you know, I mean, here's a, here's a great example of this, which is, you know, worked with a company, you know, a couple of weeks ago, big, you know, organization, you know, $2 billion company. And they have two people in content marketing that serves the entire company. And it, you know, so they invested in a process, they invested in a group, they see the value in content and creating content marketing. They've got, you know, people producing content and they've hired, you know, an agency to help them scale up and they've hired freelancers and, and, you know, and software products to help them scale. And so they actually have content marketing as a thing in the business, but quite frankly, they're following, they're falling further and further behind because so many of the different parts of the organization are demanding content. They just can't keep up. And so, their editorial calendar isn't an editorial calendar. It's just simply a to-do list of stuff that they have to do that they're, you know, yeah. they're already late for stuff that needs to get created. And so what's happened is, is that in many instances, and this is certainly isn't, you know, you know, true across the board, you know, there are, you know, as you said, right, there are companies that are really in, committed in getting to this. But the biggest challenge I see now is when the company looks at it as sort of a partial commitment to say, yeah, yeah, we hear this content thing is a big deal. We need to do more of it. And then ultimately look at it as just a vending machine of different kinds of collateral material, right? The company just basically starts to create content marketing as a different kind of support material for brand marketing or for product marketing or for sales or for demand generation. And quite frankly, because it kind of works and it certainly works better than a brochure or an ad, now all of a sudden the demand for it becomes higher and all of a sudden the demand for brochures go down and the demand for great content goes up and this little tiny you know group within the company is now forced to create more and more of it. And of course the first thing to suffer is going to be quality. You just can't proactively think about amazing, wonderful, differentiating pieces if all you're doing is fulfilling on-demand content requests. And that's the cha- that's the biggest challenge I see right now in these bigger companies. Well, what was interesting is when I was watching you perform at your your event and it was so <laughs> it in was, the tiki bar. Listeners, this was awesome for me because I was able to go to an event that I wasn't <laughs> speaking at and I sat in the back and listened to Robert Rose pontificate about the all that is content marketing. But what was resonating the most and you could see it, there were there in attendance were the, the, the people that were running content for some of the larger largest brands around. I don't want to put them on the spot, but some really large companies were represented there. And when you said they're treating it like a different kind of collateral, that's when everybody's heads were like shaking up and down. They're like, oh my God, they, they mean, you could just feel that the, the tone of the conversation changed because you'd got them. That's what That's really what is going on. Now, my question to you is, What's that? What's the tipping point, or what happens in an organization that you're working with that gets them beyond that? What needs to it, happen? Yeah, well, it's when you realize, and when the org, you know, and this is an institutional belief, not just an individual belief, but it's when the business recognizes that the value isn't in the content. The value is in what the content produces, which is in you know, at at varying degrees, what we would call an audience. An engaged audience that provides, you know, behavior that is in our favor. Favor, and so that's the real key here. Whether it's very high in the funnel at the awareness level, where we're trying to get an audience that wants to engage, wants to hear from us, wants to share conversation, and that we can learn from and be better from, or whether it's mid funnel where this is an audience that will buy more, or go through the funnel faster, or be more engaged with our salespeople, or help us learn how we can engage them through the sales process better, or whether it's an audience that, quite frankly, wants to buy more from us, or stay longer, or churn out less or be more engaged with our brand in a in, in a loyalty fashion, whatever part of the journey we're trying to optimize, the content is merely a bridge to get to the asset. 
And by treating it as a separate form of sales collateral material, we're looking at it through the same lens that we've looked at direct marketing, campaign-based marketing, and advertising through for a hundred years. And quite frankly, that content is disposable, right? Campaign-based content is pretty much disposable once it serves its purpose of having someone click a buy now button. And what we need to invest in is the building of an audience, which means investing in content that provides value over time. It increases in value over time so that we're actually investing in the quality that we can that we can derive from someone who meets us today or someone who meets us a year from now and that same piece of content. And that's when the institution finally gets that under its skin. Now, all of a sudden, the case for owned media becomes clear and creating a very high quality content production team becomes very, very, uh, a very important part of the business. Uh, do you mind if I put you on the spot for a second? Do you, sure. do you mind if I ask you sure. something? Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> there was a... Uh, there is a blog post out that you and I are aware of that was that was uh, it was talking about the research. It was a really good. I mean, because we made some changes this year, we we took out some things like case studies. We added some questions in. We really have made some some major changes to the research. But there was a comment from someone that you and I uh, both know that basically said that CMI, in essence, and and you and I have been hitching our. Um, uh, our wagon, let's say, to this audience thing, and that we we basically in, in in one word or another said that we shouldn't be doing that, that that's the wrong way to look at it, or that we're 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 putting to uh, we're talking about about content marketing in a narrow way, and we should broaden it outside of audience. And I wanted to really get your take on that because you and I have had many discussions about the importance. Of, I totally what you just said is. Totally agree with this whole idea of audience. That's the asset. It's not the content that's the asset. But what what do you say uh, in response to the comment that you and I saw about not that audience isn't the thing. It's something else. Yeah. I well, you know, as you might expect, I disagreed violently um, with that. Not not literal violence, but metaphorical violence, right? So it was email. It was email violence. Yeah, it was it was it was snarky email with kind of a you know. Uh, anyway, there might have been names called, but we don't know. Um, it, you know, it's it, it's it's we have we have the best people, all the best people. We have the best audiences. Um, anyway, going off on a tangent there, but the, the idea. The, the 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 key thing there is. We can define audiences in different ways and broader ways. Look, I'm happy to broaden out the idea of content marketing. We Look, we talk about things all the time around content and how it's used effectively for the business. We talk about native advertising. We talk about things that are branded content. We talk about branded entertainment. We talk about uh, intelligent content from a content strategy perspective. We talk about a lot, broadly speaking, as it pertains to having a content strategy really move the business forward in multiple ways. Now, having said that, our focus on content marketing on the audience is the, the, the focus there is on what it is we're actually building, which is the asset that we're building. And that's the real difference between content marketing and, and advertising, a PR, uh, you know, a direct marketing, uh, def- different kinds of marketing strategies. It's why it's different. That's the real difference. But having said that, audiences can be defined in multiple and different ways. You know, I, we're not suggesting that the only way that you can actually run content marketing is if you have an email audience and that if you're not doing that, you're doing it all wrong. Because, of course, yeah. that's that's too limiting. You know, you look at somebody like Marriott. Marriott is producing content, very high funnel content, very brand oriented, brand awareness. I would argue they're redefining what it means to do brand awareness by creating impactful, high-quality, creative, entertaining content that builds an audience. Now, are they pulling in you know, email addresses and using all of that? For some parts, they are, and some parts, they're not, right? They're just using, they're redefining what it means to go to market in a brand awareness way by using creative aspects of content. I would argue that they are building an audience. They're just, they're not just in all ways building what I would call an addressable audience. They're, they're doing those Red Bull media, same thing, same thing. Red Bull media house is working to build an audience that, 
engages with the brand of Red Bull at a high funnel level, it's not just reached the idea of addressable audience, except for a very small percentage of what they do with the Red Bull, uh, with you know uh, uh, the Red Bulletin and and the print magazines and those kinds of things. So audiences evolve just like customers evolve, and so it's a broad swath of what we what we definitely cover. But ultimately. I'm just going to disagree with that person and say, this is, in fact, I did, but he and I actually spoke on, on the phone about this very topic. Um, he didn't actually disagree with me on the phone, but all right, but that's a different story. Anyway, the, the <coughs> point being the, the, the breadth of what we're talking about here is around content, but the asset that we're building is an engaged audience that behaves in a different way than audiences that we attract through other forms of marketing do. That's the definition of content marketing from our perspective. That's the whole point of this thing that we're trying to do. We think it's kind of a cool and valuable activity for the business to participate in. If you know, if if you don't, you don't. <laughs> it's about that simple. Well, I didn't didn't well, I did mean to put you on the spot with that yeah. a little bit, but it's so important because and I even mentioned this, I mentioned this in my last couple of speeches because you and I've had this discussion. So many people talk, start talking about content as assets. And they and depending on how you look at it, they, it can absolutely can be an asset for the organization. But the real asset is the audience that you build and then the behavior change or maintenance of that behavior in the audience in that addressable audience that you're going after. And that's that's it. That is absolutely it. And there's and if you're going to look at a con- take a content marketing approach, that's what we're trying to do. That's why you actually that's why we had the conversation about buying a media company. Because of the the audience that you have. It's it's like I I somebody asked me about, well, how do you look at like the value of a New York Times? And I said well, you don't say, oh, wow, the the value in New York Times, let's see, they have 100,000 100 pieces. Yeah. Of, yeah, 100 years of content. What's that value? Uh, nothing. Nobody sees value in that. What they see value in is how many subscribers do they have and what's the behavior of the subscribers? Exactly. That's it. That's And then that's either revenue or profit associated with that. So any, I know we probably bang that drum a little bit too long, but I think it's so important that you know, we need to drop well, it the puts, mic there on the, on yeah, the audience. Yeah, I mean, it, it puts the it puts the research in a different perspective because you know, I mean, so the the, the discussion that was having was someone who actually, you know, coming back to the research, the blog that was being referenced was someone who said, "Help, you know, case studies have been taken out of this year's this year's uh, this year's research, and you know, we would see that as content marketing." and to your point, you actually commented on the piece. You're like, yeah, maybe it is. Maybe we actually did make a mistake by taking it out. And, you know, maybe we didn't, but we typically think of case studies in a very particular way. And the true, you know, and, and the, the initial comment from, the, from what we were talking about there was case studies aren't content marketing because they don't build an audience. And I would say that's absolutely not true. Case studies, of course, can build audience, but we'd have to understand what we're talking about when we say case study. If I say case study, and it's about how a particular customer changed the way that they were doing some problem and got, you know, and here's the story of how they actually became better at what they do, or they solved a particular problem, that's a case study. Now, a case study as we typically define it in marketing is how did they use our product to solve that particular problem? And so that's when it goes from becoming something that adds value separate and discrete from the brand or the product to something that depends on the brand or product to add that value. And I would argue that's different parts of the funnel, that's different parts of the buyer's journey, and quite frankly, a different kind of marketing. But of course you can talk about a customer and their story and how they solved a particular issue using a, a particular approach. You know, if I do, if I talk about a customer and how they solved something through marketing automation or what I might call inbound marketing, that's not necessarily a case study for HubSpot, although if because it's talking about inbound marketing, that's the first brand you associate it with. Well, now it's something that's in content marketing. And so anyway, I don't mean to get off on a rant, but that's we anything can be defined as 
content marketing if it's delivering value to the customer through through content. It's not, you know, a form of con- a blog post or a case study or a white paper can be a brochure, can also be a piece of sales material or That's a coupon, right. depending on how what content is in it. The form does not define the function or the value. That's right. That's so well, that's I got that question the other day. It's like, hey, uh, or not a question. They were very excited. Joe, I've been listening to your stuff. Uh, CMI is great. And I'm starting a blog. Um, and we're so excited. And I'm like, great. Uh, but I don't know if that's good or not. <laughs> it's like, right. Great. You started a blog. Uh, okay. I need to have more information. Uh, I need to start a podcast. Okay. Let's really talk about the, uh, whether or not that's going to help your customers uh, or not. I don't exactly. Know. So, anyways, exactly. Thank right. you, sir. I oh, appreciate absolutely, that, my pleasure. I'm and and for those of you who tuned out and maybe tuning back in now, <laughs> welcome back. We were yeah, off exactly. A, we were off on a twenty <laughs> minute rant there. Nodded <laughs> off for a little bit. So, <laughs> all right. So let's move on to our last uh, story here to cover off, um, and this one comes to us courtesy of the UK, and it's mediatel.co.uk. And it's coverage of an event uh, that neither of us were at, just uh, FYI. But the headline is Content Creation, Whose Job Is It Anyway? The article starts out by saying, Content, it's everywhere, and almost every business in Adland, qualified or not, is probably having a go at creating it. For brands, it means producing something that is often far removed from more traditional, above-the-line advertising, perhaps best defined as a new way to reach audiences with something that has editorial relevance and therefore, in theory, higher engagement levels. Red Bull famously wheeled out as the go-to case study of choice, uh, but McDonald's in a recent and infamous YouTube experiment does so less well. So this is a, then they go on to describe this roundtable that happened at this wonderful event um, and uh, basically talk about really whose job it should be to start the creation of content process in the business. Should it be the media agency? Should it be PR? Should it be a internal team, a combination of that? And so, well, what did you think of this, uh, this, their, their discussion there? Well, it was, it was, first of all, I'm like, I was thinking that the article was going to be around, well, whose job in the organization, but really the article is about whose job is it from an agency perspective exactly. or outside content services. And, <laughs> right. And the so article, we might even discuss, the, we might, we might even disagree with the whole premise of the question. <laughs> well, yeah, well, but let's, let's go, let's yeah. go into the, into the, uh, what the, what the article was about. Yeah. And they're really talking about it's, they're, they're, Proponents, or most of the experts here, were proponents for the idea of specialist agencies that really understand the role of content. That's right. And not necessarily a media agency or an advertising agency or a PR agency. And I think that's where the article talks about where large enterprises get into trouble because they immediately default to their current media agency, advertising agency, PR agency to do content. And you know what? They're not very good at it. Because they don't, they've never done it that way. They're really good at creating an advertisement or a PR program or whatever the case is, but not creating content that's going to guess what? Build an audience. So it, it, I mean, it, that, and I would agree. I would totally agree with this article from that standpoint. It, here's a here's a fun here's a fun sort of anecdotal piece for you. So I just last week, while I was in London, actually had a discussion with a brand that was actually looking to hire. And they said, we've just started this content marketing process. Uh, we have a couple, you know, to the, to the earlier discussion, we've hired a couple of people. They're actually managing it now for us across our digital channels. We've, you know, we've got a social media thing going on. And they're looking at actually, you know, bringing on an agency to help them, you know, figure out the content that should be applied to the content marketing strategy. And I said, well, that's great. I said, you know, you should hire, you know, you should make sure you have, your strategy is you know, perfected and really, you know, solid and then bring in an agency and give them that strategy and then they can help you execute it against it. And they said, yeah, we've done that. We're ready to bring in an agency. So we're going to be bringing in our social media agency, our agency of record who does our TV ads and our media agency who does all of our media buys. And I said, well, oh no. I said, well, what about like a publisher and or a, an agency that specializes in content? And they said, oh no, no, we need someone who understands our business. And I said, Wait a minute. I said, this is, I mean, you know, so you're going to bring in your social media agency, your AOR and your, your media agency, and you're not going to bring in people who specialize in content, but you've hired agencies who specialize in other things. You, you've hired agencies who specialize in social and media buying and creating cool ads, but you're not going to hire 
a content agency because you need someone who knows your business. And they said, well, yeah, I know that sounds weird, but we think that the broader agencies will have more talent because they'll understand our business. And I said, I said, well, good luck with that. Cause yeah. that's going to be, that's going to be, that's going to be really an interesting project to follow. Oh my gosh. It just comes back to the idea that this whole content marketing thing is, as, a, as you've said, is a muscle that a lot of these organizations just are not used to. They haven't used. Yeah. And so when they're running out, I, I, so this is a really good article actually for people to read. Um, because the article makes the case that the, the future large innovative agencies will be these very small special that are very small specialists right now content well they're getting purchased right i mean they're getting bought you know they're these agencies are getting you know they're getting high interest from the other quote-unquote traditional agencies and getting purchased in you know and 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 we're seeing it all over the place and so you're right i mean i think this this is a muscle that agencies the more traditional agencies are going to acquire by acquisition well so just a little if, if FYI, if anyone wants to start a business and sell it for multiple millions of dollars, go and be, be the expert into one area around content creation and distribution, financial services, uh, nonprofit, whatever the case is, go whatever's the best for you, build that up to get, you know, be one of the leading experts in that niche and you will get purchased in, in about 12 months after that. I mean, there are so many agencies that are out there. Right. Look, I, I, you and I get calls every week. Oh, we, we need to add an agency in this area with this area of specialization. And the buying is on. The cash is out there like I've never seen before. So anybody, just yeah. want, that's just a tip. That's free. Anybody well, wants speaking, to roll with that one. Speaking of agencies that truly get it and that are just really on it when it comes to the idea of content and technology, we have... A wonderful sponsor to talk about for the second week in a row here. We absolutely do. Thank you for the segue, sir. This week's sponsor are our good friends at Ion Interactive. And they are offering a very interesting user experience that I think you need to check out called the 50 Ways to Engage Your Audience, an interactive lookbook. So if you want a fun way to get 50 ideas for improving content engagement, then that's what I would I would take some time. And it, it actually is worth the look, because if you know what a lookbook is, um, you really have to see it for yourself. So each capability that they talk about is illustrated as an example. It has a lot. It's, it's a sort of a fun guide. You get ideas, you get results on what these ideas bring to the table. So take a chance and look at this lookbook. All you have to do is open up your browser and go to cmi.media/pnr151. That's cmi.media/pnr151. And Robert, you know, I was flipping through this uh, last week. Uh, definitely worth the look. So when you get a chance, get the lookbook at cmi.media slash PNR151. And thanks to our good friends at Ion Interactive for being so supportive of PNR The Soul Marketing, Content Marketing Institute, and, and just Absolutely. Robert and Joe in general. I, they were nice enough to tweet us on our 150th episode. And um, so thank you to them for doing that. And we had, a, by the way, thank you to everyone for sending the nice notes and retweets. Oh, it was so nice to see all that, yeah. It was it was it very, was. very nice to see that. We actually have listeners to, to this show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we actually so, do. So uh, to the eight of you out heads. there, we love you. Yeah. <laughs> all all eight of you. Well, all seven now that you. we went off on that big rant, you know, we, we, lost, uh, we lost. We lost a couple. Uh, we lost a uh, yeah, Roger in Chicago is, I think, uh, oh. left the building now. That yeah, yeah. That's anyway, okay. all right, Ben. Thank you to Ion. Yes, absolutely. It it gives it puts the look in lookbook for sure. Oh, um, nice. And uh, <laughs> there we go. So it is now time for your favorite part of the show, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for our rants and raves sections, where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel highly productive, or something that makes us feel like not actually doing anything at all, other than high on our couch. Um, and so let's see, I guess I'm going first because I have this old marketing this week. And you so are. Yes. I, I have, uh, let's see, I have two mini rants, um, as, uh, as, as the case turns out this, uh, the first one is a review of a book and, you know, so I'm already going to apologize. Uh, I forget who sent us this. They sent it in through the, the, the email address. Um, and it was a, a book that was recommended because it sort of took 
aim at content marketing and native advertising is something that was not good. The title of the book is Black Ops Advertising, Native Ads, Content Marketing, and the Covert World of the Digital Cell. Uh, author is Mara Einstein, or Einstein, um, and uh, goes on. So I read the whole book while I was on my travels, and it was an interesting book. Um, it basically talks through how content marketing, native advertising is out to fool people. Um, and it's really a dangerous thing when marketing is being transformed into this idea of brands becoming publishers where you, the consumer, can't tell what is an ad and what isn't an ad and where the world is out to try and fool you into this whole thing. Um, native advertising, of course, being quote unquote a sales pitch created to be seamlessly integrated into a website, or content marketing as brand as publisher trying to fool you into believing that their point of view is the right one. As you might expect, I took exception to many of the contentions in the book. Um, she interviews, uh, I interviewed quite a few people, many of whom we know. Um, and actually, I guess, took issue with a couple of them. She has a background in marketing and advertising, worked for an agency for a number of years, and is now a professor at a university. Um, you know, I guess my biggest complaint about the book, but I would encourage you if you're interested in the more sort of dangerous and consumer side to at least go read it. So in that way, if 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 you're if you're looking for the the dangerous options of being a consumer in a world where brands are out to fool you at every turn, this will be the book for you. Um, for me, it was not. It was basically a un, uh, I guess a, a a not very well thought out argument. Um, it and and it basically she had a point to make, and she was going to find every part of the worst parts of marketing and advertising to make that point, and. To, to me, it became just a litany of, you know, of here's everything that's going on in the world of content and native advertising and why you should be deathly afraid of this in the new world order. So I couldn't I can't recommend the book in terms of it's uh, if it, it's 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 sort of helping you become a better marketer or a better um, uh, a better advertiser. But if you're if you're looking at that kind of thing as a as sort of the soylent green of of the world, well, this book will definitely convince you that that content marketing is that. So um, it there's a there's a lot to discuss there, but I but without you know I, I don't want to sort of throw anybody under the bus. It's a it's an interesting read, but I can't sort of get behind its its main premise, um, which is you know why anyone doesn't believe that brands are less honest than media brands at delivering you content that can be valued and that can be ultimately good for society baffles me. It just always has. But, uh, you know, maybe well, maybe that's because I come biased as a marketer. Well, I think you could stop there because there's already plenty of people under the bus that you're, you're throwing. But that's, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. I just wanted to cut in before you go to your next <laughs> rant is, uh, is this was sent in by Jake Sanders. So Jake sent ah, this. Thank so, you very much, Jake. No, thank Jake, you. Jake, Jake was yes. great, and he said when he read the book, uh, he had. I have to read this, Jake. I'm sorry. It's a, this is a great line. He says, "I heard you guys in my head when I read it, which is either awesome or creepy." Uh, so <laughs> we don't know which one it was, but we'll take it. Thank you, Jake, for the recommendation. <laughs> yes, thank you. And I did read it, and I did purchase it. So. So, um, so yeah, there you, it's, there, there you go. There you All have right. it. Okay, my second one, which is really, really quickly here. Well, of course, we'll link to this in the show notes. We'll link to the Amazon book, by the way, the, the, the link for the, for the book if you're interested in getting it. Um, this comes courtesy of Slate.com, and it was just an article that I just, when I read it, I was like, this is, this is, this is content marketing. Um, and it was a fascinating thing. Basically, the headline of the article is Paramount pictures uh, discovers the dangers of letting a four-year-old develop a $115 million script and basically took a $100 million write-down as a part of it. And it's just a great, it's a wonderfully entertaining article. Um, there's a, you know, there basically talks through this about how this producer uh, decided that the Monster Trucks movie, which I, did you see this Monster Trucks movie? Did, no, you I know did about not. this movie? No, I okay. did not. So the, I didn't realize it either. And the writer of this article is a great thing that basically says, we don't even remember making the Monster Trucks movie, says the studio. Um, but apparently this movie 
did actually exist where there were monster trucks, which was basically monsters driving trucks, which was this, the idea for the film came out of a four-year-old and the studio president, uh, Adam Goodman, uh, at Paramount, which was basically, he took his son's, a four-year-old son's idea and then said, hey guys, go make a movie out of this. This to me is sort of when we look at content marketing, where we, if we're struggling with quality and so many times where I see brands really struggling with this, it's, it's this exact scenario where somebody goes, hey, this would be a good idea. And instead of going, really, is it re- really we want to do that? We, we basically go, oh, yeah, the boss says that's a good idea. So let's go execute on it. And we basically create this crappy piece of content. And it's just a great reminder for us that basically Hollywood and the Hollywood establishment of movie studios they don't always get it right either. And so when we're feeling like we, we can't compete or our story isn't that interesting or we actually don't have really good ideas, just remember, Hollywood has just as many bad ideas. Yep. Sometimes they actually even execute against those bad ideas. And so we're not the only ones who do bad things. So it's, a, it's just a fun, entertaining way to remind ourselves that we actually, you know, we actually can do really cool and interesting things too. Well, that so reminds me of, uh, you know, Mark Hamill is on stage talking about George Lucas. And I asked him, I was like, uh, so what did you, what was the thing that you really learned from, from George Lucas? And he said, he did the whole uh, impression of, of Mr. Lucas. And he yeah, said, basically, yeah. he said that the, the, the big secret in Hollywood is that nobody has this figured out where they're all making it up as they go. Yeah, so just go exactly. out and try it and make it happen. And I just thought that that reminded me of uh, what you were talking about. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I have uh, I have two quick. Uh, I don't even know if they're rants or raves. Doesn't matter at this point. Uh, one, the first one was sent in by our good friend of the show, James Gardner. So I had tipped James. It's called uh, Digiday article. We'll put in the show notes. Some publishers appear to be cooling on Facebook instant articles. And <laughs> yeah, <thanks>. this, <laughs> well, yeah, this is we've been talking. You know, Robert, you and I have been talking about this, and I just thought this was interesting because what happened is Newswhip um, did did an analysis on this independent reporting. Uh, by Digiday here and says they looked at several publishers' posts on instant articles during a five-day period, including Huffington Post, uh, Washington Post, uh, BBC News, National Geographic, Wall Street Journal, and they found that si- there's significant slowing in the usage of Facebook instant articles, which we've seen. We've sort of uh, saw it peaked at the beginning and everybody was excited about it and now not so much. It's not really working. And really what we're finding is is that media companies aren't able to monetize the vast amount of content that they're publishing on Facebook. Uh, and they're, they're able to monetize it once they get them back to the website, but nobody's going to the website. You know what they're doing? They're staying on Facebook. And Facebook isn't exactly. able to help them with make money off of this, and it's killing them. And I don't have any comment other than the fact that uh, "told you so." Uh, I guess was, <laughs> right, exactly. uh, is the is the one way we go because it only helps Facebook. And what we've been seeing is, and you, I don't know if you, you've been hearing this when in your travels abroad, but in London and Helsinki, this was absolutely. Uh, everybody just was like, "Oh well, Facebook and other social platforms—they're pay to play." They are pay to play and don't think you're going to get or- organic conversion off of any of the content that you create. If you do and you happen to hit one, great, but it's it's very hard to do that. And I think that's what media companies are finding. Uh, so anyways, I wanted to make sure that was in the notes. Thanks to James for sending that on. And the second one, which is a, ra- a rant and an opportunity – and I was saddened by this because I like this magazine. Basically, Mental Floss shutters print magazine. This is according That's to Folio sad. magazine. Yeah. After I 15, love that magazine. Yeah. After 15 years, the November-December issue will be its last. Uh, basically, it comes as no surprise that they're not able to monetize the print magazine. Uh, it's very, very hard to sell print advertising. It's unfortunate that they weren't able to come up with a different business model, uh, similar to the one we talked about for Rolling Stone to start with, but you're really trying to to inject some new innovative business models into that brand and that audience. But um, unfortunately, they're closing this down. They're going digital. Some people will lose their jobs, uh, hopefully not too many. Uh, but uh, but the, So the opportunity is, wow, uh, if you haven't – this is the best time ever to launch a print magazine. I'm sorry. 
as long as you don't want to monetize it through print advertising, really good way to cut through the clutter. I'll just leave that as it because there's so many of these magazines that have traditional media business models that are dying. So that's just an opportunity for you all out there. The second thing is, Robert, I thought this was funny. Uh, so this is the last part of the story. It says, according to Politico, current subscribers to Mental Floss will be receiving The Week, another dentist title, in its place. And I was like, <laughs> well, that makes perfect sense. Obviously, right. it's an identical publication. Mental Floss and The Week are exactly alike. So you're, of course, going to want to do What? Are you yeah, kidding it's me? It's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see how it works out for you. <laughs> You know, I didn't see that coming, but hey, yeah. you know that's 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 one way to do it. So that that's it is, that's my second. It's one. a it's a it's a great one. It's 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 a fascinating thing to me, where you know this is this is truly like we should if we're brands if we're marketers and we want to we're thinking about a print magazine. This is a really interesting advantage that we have over media companies, because quite frankly, we don't need to monetize in the same way that media companies do. We yeah. monetize in different ways. And so having a print magazine could be, you know, so in other words, if you're considering a print magazine and the objection to the print magazine as well, look at all these publishers that are shuttering their print magazines. They must have a reason. Yes, they have a reason is that they can't monetize it using advertising as a means of doing so. And they haven't figured out a way to make subscriptions work. We monetize in a different way, whether you look at it as a marketing expense or you're going to look at it as some alternative form of monetization. It's a different thing. So you can actually differentiate. To your point, it's a great time to think about print because it's differentiating from an experiential point of view. And you're not competing with all those media companies who are out there would be traditionally in, in print magazines. So it's a, it's a fascinating time. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you have you have a, a really I have this old, this old marketing. I do, and it's an exciting one because well, one, it won the project of the year this year at Content Marketing World, um, and it's one that, quite frankly, uh, you know, I don't know whether I was sleeping under a rock or I didn't, you know, I wasn't paying attention, but um, I didn't really appreciate the full details until I was actually on this trip that you and I both found ourselves in London. And hearing directly from the people who actually produce it, the folks, the the agency uh, uh, Seven, which is a UK based agency, um, and they produce the Sainsbury's uh, magazine. So Sainsbury, uh, a you know a high end uh, grocery uh, in uh, in the UK, and their Sainsbury magazine um, is just an amazing example. They've been doing it since 1993. Um, the way the magazine came around was uh, basically. There was a cook, and as they like to say, as differentiated from a chef, she was a cook um, that was really focused in on, and her name was Delia Smith, and she called up Sainsbury's and said, hey, listen, I'm a cook, I have a little bit of an audience here, and I would love to launch a media product with you to basically have people learn how to cook better and use great ingredients and make different kinds of dishes, and you'll get the benefit of the food and all of that. And they came to agreement and basically figured out how to launch this magazine called Sainsbury's Magazine in 1993. And focusing in on doing not only just recipes, but also, you know, articles on cooking and how to, you know, cookware and all kinds of things, basically talking about best practices uh, in, uh, in cooking. It is now the number one cookery magazine in the UK. They actually charge money for it, has uh, 3 million subscribers to it that they actually get revenue for creating here. 98% of the copies that they actually uh, uh, do are actually actively purchased uh, in the actual store. So it's actually a marketing program that truly pays for itself here. And I think it's just a wonderful example because when you start looking at it from a marketing perspective, so... When you start to see the, the, the digital side of this, they've got 50,000 of those magazine readers are now get an email, the email newsletter. So they have their email address. They get at a 35% open rate. Um, this is according to, by the way, something we'll link to obviously in the show notes, which is the uh, blog post around it winning the content marketing project of the year. 31% click-through rate on their email newsletter. Uh, 24,000 uh, on, or excuse me, is it 24 million uh, followers on Twitter? 
Uh, that's got to be a typo. It's got to be 24, well, I don't, I don't, 24 million or 24,000 on Twitter. Um, 162,000 on Pinterest. 81% of the readers have cooked a recipe after reading the magazine. And 8 out of 10, this is the big one, have bought a product from Sainsbury's after reading about it in the wow. magazine. And so they've actually done purchase intent about the subscribers of the magazine actually purchase more stuff from Sainsbury's than do other people in the, in their general audience. So it's become a, an incredibly important marketing platform for them, as well as a really valuable subscription uh, subscription piece. And it pays for itself because it's a revenue generator. Just an amazing example of something that's been around for well now twenty to almost twenty five years. Um, in uh, in uh, and a great example of this old marketing for for Sainsbury's. Well, Sainsbury, thank you. Uh, Sainsbury's magazine has twenty six thousand followers. Sainsbury's themselves have four hundred sixty thousand. So just okay. A, so the magazine so itself. They, yeah, the magazine itself. So that's a typo on the on the actual on the actual still, post because the type the the, the, the the post is <laughs> well the behavior yeah, is the the behavior lot. yeah the behavior is the one the thing that's amazing that's what we're looking for the behavior yeah. change fantastic. That's a great example. That's exactly right. Yeah, you and I That's sort of exactly just, right. I love yeah, it. Sounded, we sort of just, with the content marketing awards that came out and they submitted... And of course, won the big award. And that's the, that's the, I mean, I knew about the magazine, but I didn't know about the impact it was having. So it's, that's, I didn't either. Yeah, that was the thing. And I actually watched it at an event. I watched the guys sort of walk through the whole story there. And I was like, this is an amazing example. I'm totally going to use this for this old market. I didn't know, one, I thought, oh, it's been around for a few years. No, it's been around for almost 30 years. It's, It's crazy. Oh my God, we're getting old, man. This is, this yeah, is I know. All right, know. so we'll, we'll well. Speaking of getting old, yeah, where are you this uh, week? I'm actually in. I'm I'm here. Uh, we've got some uh, we've got lots of meetings going on. Of course, with Intelligent Content Conference coming up, and we're looking through all the wonderful feedback from Content Marketing World. So I will be here in Cleveland, Ohio, this week, and maybe even hit a baseball game, uh, which would be amazing. Oh, uh, playoff playoff nice. baseball in Cleveland. How about how about you, my my friend? What are you doing? Very nice. I'm actually off tomorrow morning, first thing, to Winnipeg. Um, I'm actually speaking at the Travel Manitoba Conference up in Winnipeg. Um, Looking forward to that. I've never been to Winnipeg before. And then I'm actually coming back very, very quickly, just up to do the keynote, and then I'm coming back. Um, And then I'll be home for almost three weeks. I'm, I'm quite frankly looking forward to being home for three weeks after being on the road for almost 14 days um, straight. And so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that and to get a lot of work done. ICC, obviously, working on that and other writing projects, uh, as I mentioned earlier. And, yeah, putting my head down and, and, and getting ready and, and uh, getting ready for master well, classes. Yeah, I mean, so everyone that you want, if you want to see us in person, not sure you'd really want to or why you'd want to do that. But <laughs> starting November 7th, uh, Robert and I are going to be on the road doing our master classes. Go to contentmarketingconf.com for for information, it'll be fun. We're, we always love that time of the year because you and I get to hang it's, out and, and yeah, do our thing. A, so it's a fun tour. Yeah. It's a, absolutely a fun tour, and it's a great way to cap off a, 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 an amazing year. Um, and that is, we're going to cap this show off here. That is it uh, for Joe Polizzi. This is Robert Rose. We are signing off. And if you like this episode, number 151, we do hope you'll consider subscribing on iTunes or Stitcher.com or whatever podcatcher you like. And when you subscribe, if you subscribe, or if you leave us a review, which we do love, let us know at hashtag this old marketing. We'd love to thank you personally for that. And story ideas. Thank you for all the story ideas for this episode and all the this old marketing examples. They're all so great. Hashtag us up on Twitter at this old marketing. Um, and you can also, of course, send us an email. You can email us at this old marketing at contentinstitute.com if you've got a question or want to just send us anything in general. All the links we talked about today will, of course, be available in the show notes, which are available in the show as we publish on Monday night. And of course, in their full glory in the show post at thisoldmarketing.com on Saturdays. Until next week, everybody, remember, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing.
This show is part of the CMI Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows at contentmarketinginstitute.com.